three times, as is the custom in England, Poplow noted. I welcome you, and be freely welcome with me. After Poplow left the king's court, he was conducted to a nearby inn by one of Richard's gentlemen of the royal chamber, though they quickly found that they were not alone. Many people followed us to the house, including women and maidens. They entered the inn secretly, but with the hostess's permission, so that they might look at me alone. The next day Richard sent for Poplow to attend Mass at the nearby church, no doubt designed to impress the Silesian with the quality of musicianship that he had already collected from across the country. Poplow was suitably impressed. There I heard the most delightful music that I heard in all my life, which in the purity of the voices might well be compared to the angels. After Mass, Richard ordered a Flemish nobleman who was currently residing at court, John, Lord of bergen op to take Poplau by the hand and lead him to his chamber, in a tent erected near to the church. Going inside, Poplau was struck by its lavish contents. There I saw the king's bed, covered in red velvet and a cloth of gold, in the same way as his imperial majesty's bed is so adorned, and in the king's tent there was also a table covered all around with cloths of silk embroidered with gold, set up next to the bed. Catching sight of Richard himself as the king prepared to sit down to dinner, Poplar was equally impressed at the splendour Richard had cloaked himself in. The king went to dinner and wore a collar of gold with many pearls the size of peas and diamonds. The collar was as thick as a man's hand, and was worn over his left shoulder, across his back, and under his right arm. It was a display, Poplar believed, that had been deliberately placed by the wise men of his court in such a way that I should see him sit at table in his regal splendour. At the king's table were his princes and lords. Poplau observed how when Richard had sat down, there sat with him two princes, the king's blood relatives, and the Earl of Northumberland, who is the most powerful in all England. But they sat a long way from the king at the very end of the table. When Richard noticed Poplau had entered the tent, he ordered that he should sit at the table alongside his two kinsmen. Poplau replied that, rather than sit with the king's companions, his greatest pleasure and desire, especially since he was due to depart shortly, was to sit close to the king, to see his royal majesty's face and exceedingly famous virtues, an answer which Poplau noted greatly pleased the king. As the pair conversed at the table, Poplau observed how Richard grew animated at his answers, so that he barely ate of any dish, but continually talked with me. He asked me about his imperial majesty, all kings and princes of the empire who were known to me, about their customs, fortunes, dealings, and virtues. I answered with everything that was to their honour. Then the king was silent for a while. Afterwards he began again to question me of many things and dealings, and finally also of the Turks, and I replied to him that before Martinmas, 1483, 
His Majesty the King of Hungary, with the aid of forces sent by His Imperial Majesty and His Imperial Majesty's lands, had slain more than twelve thousand Turks of the Turkish Emperor. When the king heard this, he was greatly pleased and answered, I would that this kingdom and land of mine lay on the Turkish border instead of the kingdom of Hungary. Then I would certainly, just with my own people, and without the aid of other kings, princes and lords, drive away not only the Turks, but all my enemies and opponents. Oh, dear God, what a gracious lord I recognised in that king, Poplau wrote, full of praise for his royal host. The German also noted how the king was three fingers taller than I, but a little slimmer and not as muscular and much thinner, adding that he has very delicate arms and legs, also a great heart. Several days later, Richard gave Poplau a gift.